Welcome to Beyond the Complexity, where Utah Valley Institute young adults and teachers share their inspiring stories about getting past their complexities and sharing about their struggles, trials, and blessings in discovering their relationship with Christ. I'm your host, Tyson Barton, for the non-student interviews. In this episode, I'll be interviewing Guy Johnson, and he is a professional seeker. Welcome to Beyond the Complexity, where we try to help you find clarity beyond the complexities of life. Today, we have Guy Johnson here with us, who's an institute teacher here at the Utah Valley Institute. Brother Johnson, could you go ahead and just introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Heck yeah, I'd love to. I'm here on the faculty here at UVU Institute. Love it here. Uh, I've been teaching for 22 years now, so it's been a great occupation and great career for me and love youth and young adults and opportunities to connect with them and help them connect with the Savior and what I do. So I'm originally from Idaho. I I, uh, I did not, I was not raised in the church. I'm a convert to the church. I joined the church uh, just right at the tail end of my senior year of high school. Had some good friends that introduced the gospel to me and was lucky enough to, to find the gospel that way. Served a mission shortly after that in the England Leeds Mission. That's where I really grew, I think, and uh, matured, started to mature at least in the gospel. Came home after a couple of years and met my wife. Uh, we met on a blind date. We have been married for 25 years. She's amazing. She's a school teacher. She is everything that I ever dreamed of. She's just such an incredible person. Two children, Seth and Savannah, they're uh, twins, 21 years old. Savannah's married to Jake. They just had a baby, little baby girl. So I'm grandpa now, which is wow. awesome. <laughs> Big step. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and uh, and my son uh, is going to school here at UVU actually, and and working and um, kind of finding his way in terms of careers and things like that. So yeah, we're just in the thick of it. Sweet. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I don't know Brother Johnson super well, and I'm as excited as you guys are probably to hear about his life and the spirit that you've brought to being a seminary teacher or institute teacher. To jump into it, one thing we talked about is kind of you wanted to talk a little bit about the, the key to young adulthood. You know, if you yeah. were to maybe travel back in time and, and give yourself that one, not one key, but one of the keys that would help you in young adulthood, um, what would that be? Yeah, um, <clears throat> one of the things I've I've come to understand about life is that there is an ideal that we teach, that we study, that we seek for, that we pray for, but then there's also a reality that we all deal with, and there's a clearly a gap between what's real and what's ideal, and uh, and that gap looks different for all of us. <laughs> and I've just come to understand, you know, and, and maybe when you talk about complexity, I think that gap is where the complexity is. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes because we go through things that we didn't anticipate going through or uh, maybe sometimes in life we, we don't realize that this challenge or this gap is actually perfectly designed for what I need to grow. And, and in the moment, it's hard to see that mm-hmm. um, because it is kind of complex. And so I think in terms of the key to... Uh, young adulthood that I, you know, if I could go back and just talk to myself and just tell myself to relax a little bit. Um, I think when I was younger, I I really wanted to, you know, everything to be just, you know, perfect. And uh, that's a high bar 
to, yeah, you know, get to. And so realizing that it's not always going to be that way mm-hmm. and that there are things in your family, things in relationships, things in your own faith or testimony, uh, things in your own understanding and knowledge, yeah. um, maybe life circumstances that come up that are challenging, you know. And so there's a there's that gap, and I think that's where we find grace. Yeah. Um, and so giving ourselves grace, the grace of the Savior, you know, he he he's the one that gives the grace, and so we should give that to ourselves. Thank you. Uh, I sense as you're talking about that a little bit of comparison, which I think is maybe not not talked about enough in the church because I feel like we have tendency as humans just to compare and compare. And he, you know, got this grade and he graduated earlier than me or or whatever would did that play a role in kind of that that you saw your friends or family excelling where you didn't or whatever yeah definitely i <laughs> i think <clears throat> being a member of the church gives a lot of opportunities for for that unfortunately mm-hmm. it's a challenge you know um we, we tend to be highly successful people who have you know high goals and things we want to accomplish and we see other people accomplishing certain things or getting certain positions or even in the church, you know, getting certain callings or whatever and wondering, you know, am I going to get a calling like that? Or, you know, not necessarily seeing the value in whatever the Lord's asked us to do. And, and so we can, we can, we can definitely fall into that category. You know, maybe I'm not as spiritual as that person, or I'm not as, uh, you know, intelligent as that person or Mm -hmm. successful or whatever. Yeah. I think, I think especially when you're younger, you know that's a real, a real thing, um, and to uh, and just to celebrate yeah. who you are and what the Lord's doing with you and you know where you're going mm-hmm. in life. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I think, like you said, it, the gospel brings us to that higher level, and sometimes that higher level um, does cause that comparison. What uh, you know through this process, I think through life, we all go through different adversity. We all go through hard things. What are some of those things that you went through at a young age or, or even now, um, adversity that you've experienced that you've really learned from? Yeah, I, I mean, I think for me, one of the one of the blessings and one of the trials mm-hmm. <laughs> is, is my background. Uh, I didn't grow up, uh, as I mentioned, I didn't grow up in the church. Mm-hmm. I grew up kind of a, a rougher background um, mm-hmm. from a pretty tough, you know, tough go. And, uh, you know, I did a lot, I was involved in a lot of things that I shouldn't have been Mm -hmm. as a a younger person, some things I'm not proud of, you know, I, one of the things that we were talking about earlier off, off script is I've always been involved in, in fighting of some kind, combat sports, Mm -hmm. coaching that, or did that as a kid and stuff like that. And that really comes from my background. It comes from, you know, some trouble that I was into younger Mm -hmm. in life and tough crowds I was running around. And so when I joined the church, it was, I mean, it was, it was a drastic life change, uh, which was awesome and uh, something I'm so grateful for. And, and I think I came into the gospel with a certain kind of perspective. It's sometimes different than what I've experienced in the church and in, even in my career at times. Um, I work in a, you know, highly orthodoxy occupation where there's a lot of high standards and, yeah. You know, gospel living and and you know expectations of, of you as a religious educator, which is, should be there. You know, of course. But uh, I, you know, I I don't get uptight about 
certain things that others do or have, and <laughs> sometimes yeah. I've I've voiced that. I'm, I'm one of my traits. I'm I'm just always upfront. I'm not afraid to say what I think needs to be said, and yeah, um, I speak my mind. And and sometimes I feel like that has been perceived by some as a lack of uh, loyalty, or maybe I'm not you know, on board or something like that. And, and for me, I see it as just the opposite, frankly. I see it as, uh, no, I actually really love what I do, and I love this mm-hmm. church, and I love my career. And so I voice those things because I love it, because yeah. I want it to be, you know, the best. And I and I just come into life in the church from a very um, not orthodox perspective. Yeah. Uh, so it's really easy for me to accept people that look different or act different or don't come from the typical, you know, LDS mold if there is one. And so I think one of the challenges that have come with that, I mean, that, like I said, that's a blessing because it's allowed for me to really relate to a lot of people, especially youth and young adults yeah. who are trying to find their way and help them to see like there's a place for you. But the challenge with that, as as I mentioned, sometimes I feel like I've been perceived as somebody who might be, I don't want to say rogue, but a little bit, <laughs> yeah. not, maybe not down that exact straight and narrow path and mm-hmm. and those perceptions sometimes have hurt a little bit yeah um and so as i've wrestled with that i've it was one thing that i've had to to come to understand is something that joseph smith taught i've really loved this uh you know not al- not only in my career but in other aspects of life you know it, people that uh, you know in marriage especially or people that you know, you serve with or work with or, you know, where some kind of feedback might come. Hey, I think you do things this way and you need to notice that, you know, whatever, however that comes. And uh, Joseph Smith, one time he said that, you know, he was accused of a lot of things that weren't true. And <laughs> yeah. You know, he was put in some situations that he shouldn't have been put in because people wanted to say whatever they wanted to say about him. Yeah. And uh, he made a comment one time about shred of truth, and he just he said somebody was asking him how he dealt with all that persecution and all that false thing, you know, those false things people were saying. And he just said, "I I just have learned to look for the shreds of truth in there and uh, adjust, you know, the way I live based on those things." And so for me, that's one thing that's helped me to deal with that. Yeah, is is to just kind of step back from it and not get too heated and just go, okay, is maybe that was an unfair uh, critique or criticism or statement or or judgment or perception or whatever you know you want to call it. Uh, but is there a shred of truth in there that I can learn? Yeah, from um, I, I had an experience. I'll I'll give you an ex- a, a for example. I was serving at at this time. I was serving as a bishop. I was a principal at a seminary a pretty large seminary. There was one of my, one of the young women in my ward that was going to the seminary and she came into school before school started and I was there early and she came into the seminary. She was having a, a panic attack and her mom who was in my ward mm-hmm. um you know was on the phone with her on her cell phone and she handed the phone to me and her mom said, "Hey bishop, um can you can you please, you know, can you give my daughter a, a priesthood blessing? She's having a really rough time and Yeah. You know, we can't get over there, and you're her bishop, and we'd love if you could do that. And so I said, of course, you know. So she she came in my office, and, and I gave her a blessing. Well, a mother had come by at that same time, and, my, of course, my door was closed, but there was, you know, the window in the door that she mm-hmm. could see through and see that I was giving this girl, uh, young woman a blessing. Yeah. And um, she 
she left. I don't. I'm not even sure why she was there, but she left. And and a week later, I got a, a letter from church headquarters that yeah, this mother was concerned that I was handing out blessings to yeah kids at the seminary. And I think that year I gave two blessings. One was to that girl who was in my ward, mm-hmm. uh, and the other was to my own daughter who was in my <laughs> in my seminary class and was having a rough day one time and asked mm-hmm. if if I would give her a blessing. Yeah. And so, you know, it was a, a it was an unfair uh, yeah. evaluation. But what's the shred of truth? Should I be careful, you know, to mm-hmm. make sure that, you know, I'm helping young people to, you know, maybe lead them to the right channels for those kinds of things and and not be so quick to just do that. I mean, there's times when it's appropriate, but yeah. You know, maybe it'd be better to get a father involved or something. So there's things like that that you kind of go, well, I could get really upset about this or I could just step back and look at it as, yeah. you know, an opportunity to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I love that humility. Um it's so easy to um yeah, just kind of jump back on something that like I was right in this situation, why is this happening to me? Instead, just, I, I think, and that almost gives you that inner peace that, like, we're going to look at this situation from a clear perspective, from humility, you know, as a humble person. I think that that gives a lot of clarity right there alone yeah. to be able to sit back. Yeah, and I, I don't want to say I'm a humble person because <laughs> there's plenty of times when I'm not, but I think when I'm successful, it is it is those times when I'm able to kind of look at it differently. Yeah. You alluded to something earlier about questioning things. You're always one to be vocal and open about yeah. and concerns you have about something that's going on, whether it be in, in the church, maybe outside the church. I think that's been a crucial part of many people building their testimonies, being able to question things when they yeah. need to, um, or instead of just brushing past it and right. and just ignoring it. It's definitely been crucial for me and I'm sure a lot of others. How's that uh, perspective of being able to question things helped you? build a stronger testimony? Yeah, I, th- I think that's a really good question. For me, it's it's can you can you look at faith circumstances with with trust and confidence in the things that you do know mm-hmm. while you navigate and wrestle and, and examine things you don't know, not having all the answers all of the time, but knowing that there are answers to the questions that they will eventually come. Patrick Mason really smart guy, church historian and things. And he, he, he wrote a book and he talked about faith cards, you know, and he said, uh, as you go grocery shopping and you kind of put in your essentials, you know, bread and milk and the things, you know, you need, mm-hmm. then you might come across something that you don't know you need, but you wonder, and you mm-hmm. kind of look at it for a second. You look at, maybe you look at the, you know, the nutrition value or, or whatever, or maybe did, would this work in a meal or something? Well, while you're examining that thing, you don't have to take all the essentials out of the cart, right? You can just examine that thing. And I think that's, I think that's true with faith issues yeah, or uh, any, any issue, right? That we can, we can trust that I've had some pretty concrete evidence and proofs of certain truths that are essential that mm-hmm. I know. But there are some things that I, boy, I'm, I'm not clear on, I'm not yeah. sure about. I can examine those things without having to throw out the essentials. Yeah, all your other values. Exactly. And I th- yeah, I love that point. And I think it's not all or nothing. You know, yeah. let's let's uh, like you said, give ourselves some grace when we uh, missed a day of scripture study, <laughs> right? Or you know, forgot to pray. Yeah. Um, I think that grace is so important because otherwise we don't 
we don't leave room for the atonement. So yeah, and it's a process. You know, if you can't examine everything in a in a flash moment, you need to look at, you know, maybe a month or a year or a couple of years and see what progress you're making. Mm-hmm. We mentioned before when we were talking of uh, kind of making the gospel real to you, and I think you alluded to it a little bit there. But what what are those key things that's made the gospel real for you? For me, I think seeing the real joy that comes when you experience the Savior mm-hmm. and our Heavenly Father in a, in a relationship. You can go to church, or you can go to the temple, or you can read your scriptures, or you can you know, do whatever, and never connect with, with, with the Father and the Son, never have that relationship. I think it comes down to seeing those kinds of opportunities and really trying to find how is this connecting me to the Father? Secondly, how is this connecting me to people? Mm-hmm. Uh, the first and great commandment is to love God. Second is like unto it, uh, which is, I love how the Savior taught that, that it's equal to it, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's to love people. So as we, I remember one time, for example, I, I was just frustrated with church. I was bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I was going to sacrament meeting. I was bored with the talks, and I was going to whatever classes. And I just, I can't. I was so frustrated. Um, and I came home, and I was, you know, kind of pity party. And my wife and I were talking, and and uh, she said, "Well, you you're gonna need to figure that out, you know." And and I took some time, and I realized that I don't go to church for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's my perspective, yeah, it's going to be boring. We're, you know, they, yeah. I mean, we're just normal people doing the best we can. Mm-hmm. But I go to church for other people. I go to church for God. I go to church to connect one with with heaven and with with my heavenly Father. Two to connect with people. And so I decided that I would start to um, look for that. What is what am I seeing that's connecting me to Him? What am I seeing that's connecting me to people? And I set a little rule for myself. I just call it rule of three, friendly B. It, it's just in my mind, in my brain. Mm-hmm. I know that when I go, I'm going to serve three people. And that's really simple. It might be saying hi. It might be thanking someone for you know their efforts. It might be uh, contributing in a class or whatever. Yeah. But instead of trying to get, I'm trying to give. And that has literally transformed my experience to where I love it. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that's another way, you know, is to really, how is this connecting me to people in a meaningful way? And I think in turn, how is this connecting me to God as well? I think gratitude's a big part of that. Recognizing what we're grateful for. I have a, a, a routine that I'm not good at everything. Uh, there's days when I forget to, you know, have an, a good prayer or yeah. have a good study or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm pretty normal that way. But what I will say one thing I'm I'm actually proud of myself for is that I write in a gratitude journal. I have a, a, a page where I just write three things that I'm grateful for every day. I write two affirmations every day, something positive about my family, about myself, about my life. One tender mercy that I've seen. And then I just write down, after that I write down prayer and some things I want to include. And it usually is about those things. Mm-hmm. And I do that every day. It takes me five minutes to kind of do that, and and uh, you know, and then and then I'll try to throw some scripture study and stuff in there. But but that five minute 
gratitude moment is powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it connects me with the Father, and, and it makes the gospel real, you know, for me. It allows me to sort of evaluate and look at how important the gospel is to me and, and, and life is, and people are. And, mm-hmm. You know, we have so much to be thankful for. We are, we are so blessed. Uh, this world is absolutely crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and and we're we we live in a in a very comfortable setting, and we're just you know there's a lot to be thankful for, and so you know the, with the nuances in in church or church history or policies or questions that come up or whatever, those are those are okay. You know, mm-hmm. it's fine to wrestle with those things, but to never lose sight of what you are grateful for. Yeah, you know, I'm grateful for. The, the woman that ministers to my wife that stopped by on Sunday yeah. because she's concerned about her, you know, and just mm-hmm. said, hey, how's, how is she? Brought her a little something. I'm grateful for opportunities that I have to to serve. Right now I've been, I've been serving as a temple worker oh, cool. at Saratoga Springs Temple. And uh, I'm just so grateful for that opportunity because it, it, I leave a different person. Every, every Tuesday morning I go, uh, and I leave just a little bit better, a little bit closer, you know. So the gospel gives us those kinds of things to be grateful for. Yeah. I think it's important to take a, even five minutes every day. Yeah. You know, to see that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. I appreciate it. When when you talk about connecting with people, I mean, I guess the answer is pretty obvious. But what does that look like for you? What is, how has that changed your experience as a member of the church? Yeah, I, I, I think I'm still growing in that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll say that I I I um I think I'm still trying to understand that w- one of the things that I'm I've been thinking about lately, uh, and I think this is maybe temple. It's mm-hmm. that blessing that's coming from that, but mm-hmm. it's um it's softening me in terms of how I view people, how I see people. But but being able to see through in in general conference, we learned about seeing through the Savior's eyes. You see an individual. And just know that every person that you come in contact with, you know, you'll, you'll never meet a person the Savior didn't love enough to die for. Yeah. You know, everybody's worth so much to our Father in Heaven, worth the blood of Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And some people have forgotten that about themselves. Yeah. So that's helpful to me, you know, to think that and to see that and to really pray for that gift I don't think it's something you develop. I think it's something that just comes. But to be able to see people through the Savior's eyes, especially in heated times or difficult times or, you know, times like you feel like you've been treated unfair or whatever. My friend was just gotten a car, a motorcycle accident. He was hit by a drunk driver. Luckily survived that. Was, you know, beat up pretty good, but but came out of it. And, and he said that he's got to go to court now and, you know, do some things to for this guy to be punished for what he did. And he, part of that is he's got to write a letter of what he recommends. And, you know, he's, he said that he, he realized that this individual clearly has an addiction, has a problem, you know, if he's driving under the influence. And there's a problem, right? Something, he doesn't know all the details of his life, but there's something. And that softened him, you know. And so his recommendation is going to be to, one, that he be forgiven, that he... Uh, but that he have some help, you know, for his life. And he was telling me about this, and I just thought, that is so cool. Like, that is so amazing that you can look at a person who wrongfully made a decision 
that ultimately could have taken your life. Luckily, it didn't, but it was that drastic, and his decision is to forgive him. Yeah. Only the Savior can do that. Mm-hmm. That's a gift, you know, that's a gift that comes from the Lord, and that's something that's helped me to connect with people is, is seeing them that way, mm-hmm. you know, trying at least. I'm, I'm not perfect, like I said, but that's yeah. definitely something I, I, I believe in and hope for. Thank you so much. Yeah. And for our final question, how, how have you found clarity beyond the complexities of life? I, I love that you guys are doing this. I think that's such a, an important question because I think we can get into some complexities and get really lost in the thick of it, and <laughs> it can, it can be, lead us to, down some roads that we, we just don't need to go. So a couple of things would come to mind to answer mm-hmm. that question. I, one thing that um, I've been learning this year is um, learning about binary thinking, binary mindsets. So binary is just kind of, it's this or that, right? It's one way or the other. Uh, it's good or bad. Realizing that life and the gospel and, you know, complexities, it's its really damaging to look at it in a binary mindset because there, uh, there are other things. It can be both. It could be, maybe there's multiple binaries, right? Maybe it could be a good, better, best approach, for example, or looking at, you know, what's behind that thing or this thing. How did this come about? Uh, helping me understand, you know, why certain people did, you know, a wrong thing or whatever. So I think that's that's one approach that I think is really helpful um, to kind of step back and, and take a look, you know, at that mm-hmm. approach. Um, another thing is to be, I've learned as I've gotten a little bit older and and spent a lot of time, particularly as a religious educator, studying the gospel, to be less definitive about a lot of things because what I thought, <laughs> I've kind of learned that, oh, actually, wait, no, that isn't how it's going to be or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, and so having the spiritual maturity to you know kind of know that and Put yourself in a situation where you know that you can still learn and you can still grow and that you don't have to have all the answers and that's okay. And what you thought was an answer can change or can look different when you receive other knowledge or other information or other experiences, you know, in life. Uh, and I think lastly, maybe by way of testimony and and, uh, the, and, and just thinking about you know, sometimes I think, especially with young people, we can kind of get in situations where we've lost hope or we've lost grace or, you know, we think that I'm too far past mm-hmm. any kind of love. I, I was, uh, when I was a young father, my my uh, my son was, you know, he was real little, just a toddler. And I had an experience one time with him where I had walked in to the living room I don't know what he did to this day. I, I really don't know. I can't remember. But he did something that he felt bad about, and I apparently I caught him. I don't know if he was, you know, drawn on the couch or something. I It was just <laughs> something that a little child would do that was just, you know, not bad at all. But to him it was really bad. And yeah. and I remember I, I sat him down and I said, what's wrong? And he said, I just can't talk to you about it because you'll get mad at me. And I thought, well, uh, I don't even know what it is, and, and I don't think I've responded with anger very often, if at all, with you. So, you know, you can talk to me. And he's like, I know, Dad, but I just think once I tell you this, you're going to get mad at me. And I, 
And I said, and I promised him, I said, son, I promise you, I won't, I won't get mad at you. He said, no, you're going to be really, really mad at me. And I was like, okay. And in the moment, as I sat there with my, my little, you know, my little guy, my little son, it was, it was like the Lord taught me. And it was just a moment where he, for a moment, I was him. You know, I was my little son and me, the father figure was heavenly father. I thought to myself, I know Heavenly Father doesn't get really, really mad at us. I just know that. And I told him that. I said, Heavenly Father doesn't get really, really mad. And so if he doesn't get really, really mad, I promise I'm not going to get really mad. And we talked about that. But it was a neat moment for me to learn for for myself that Heavenly Father doesn't get really, really mad. And he wants us to uh, come to him. He wants us to, I think... Grace is first initiated by the father. Uh, remember the prodigal son mm-hmm. when the father runs out to him first and that allows for the son to sort of melt in the presence of the father. I think it's like that. The father lets us know, hey, I'm, the, I'm here. I got you. And it's okay. These p- complexities you're dealing with, whether you made decisions to go there or something happened to you or you stumbled across, whatever it may be, um, we're not in this alone. And, uh, and he loves us tremendously and uh, wants for us to, to uh, return, you know, to be like him and go through what we're going through because that's the process. It's all worth it in the end. So that's my testimony. You know, I, I love him. I love his goodness and his grace and his mercy. And I love his truth. You know, he's all truth, all grace, all the time. Awesome. He's not all grace and all uh, and no truth, because that would just be like you can do whatever you want to do and it doesn't matter. And he's not all truth and no grace, like beating us up with a club, making us feel shame and guilt all the time. Mm-hmm. He has truth and standards that he wants us to live by, but he gives us all the room that we need to get there. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or would like to be interviewed, please contact us at beyondthecomplexity at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram. Our username is beyondthecomplexity. If you would like to get Institute credit for listening to this podcast, email us your name and your birthday so we can get you registered. If you would like to help out with our Institute and special projects like this, please reach out. We could always use more help in the marketing team at the Institute, and there's so many opportunities to volunteer. Also, if you are a young adult in Utah County, join us here at the Institute and sign up for our class. See you soon.